and welcome to Accountable Arizona Election 2022. Today is our last episode of the season. Our episode features Brianna Westbrook. Brianna Westbrook is a local Arizona activist and the Arizona Democratic Party's educational coordinator. I'm always consistently inspired by all of the work and organizing that Brianna does. She is a bold Arizona leader, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Go ahead and start recording. Okie dokie. Turn the mics on. Um, Microphone check. Yes. If you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself, um, what your preferred pronouns Mm -hmm. are, and where you're originally from. Sure. My name is, do you want me to look at the camera? Um, I think look at me just in the makes it, yeah. Um, Brianna Westbrook. From Central Phoenix. I was born in Mesa in 1984. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And what, why do you love Arizona? I love Arizona because this is where my life started. My family was born here. Um, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you don't have to shovel sunshine. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's always a plus. Yeah. Um, and if you're involved in movement work and organizing, there's plenty of things to fight for in Arizona. Yeah. Um, so we have a, we have a long ways to go. Yeah. A lot of work to do. Um, and what communities do you see yourself in within Arizona and, or another way to look at it is like what communities helped you get where you are today? Um, well, you know, that's a big question. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say most broadly, um, working class communities. That's what I'm from. I grew up in a, a blue collar family. Um, out of high school, you know, many of my classmates went to, to college. I picked up a shovel and shoveled asphalt for, you know, multiple summers, got laid off every winter, worked on the railroad. Um, my parents both, both never graduated high school, um, very turbulent childhood, but working class, uh, people, those are, that's what I owe and most of my time has been spent on. Um, throughout my entire life, and it's put me in the position where I'm at now. Yeah, and you've done so much, like, of just always out, always organizing, um, definitely admirable and inspiring to be better. What keeps you, what would you say your why is for fighting the fight um, and keeping you going in these unprecedented times? It is unprecedented so, yeah. times, and I'm, I don't know about you, but yeah. I'm really getting tired of saying that. Yeah, it's exhausting. And you know everyone else knows it's, it's exhausting, it's just like, it is. here we are. It is. Um, it's very exhausting, and it's wearing us out. What keeps me going is knowing that a better future is possible. Others don't think that it is achievable, or it seems like it's very far away. Knowing that we can create a better world, if we're willing to fight for it, if we're willing to be honest and stand convicted in our values and fight for that world. We can have a world where, you know, everybody can live a full life. That's what we should all be striving for. Yeah. That's what we should all be fighting for. That right there is what motivates me to get up, you know, when I'm having, you know, a down day or I'm tired or I'm exhausted. Yeah. Um, You know, that and younger generations, right? You know, we want to make sure that we leave this world better than than we received it. And the reality is the pathway that we are going down as a society, it makes us question whether or not we will have a world for future generations. Yeah. Between the existential threat of climate change, attacks on our our democracy and our right to vote, 
in that entire process as a whole, which in itself is scary, particularly here in Arizona. Um, I tell people all the time that sometimes I don't know if we're looking at all of the things that are happening at once, particularly here in Arizona, um, and really zooming out and realizing how dangerous it is right now in Arizona between election denialism um, and candidates are running for statewide office, right? The persecution and criminalization of people seeking abortion, uh, which is health care in a yeah. sense, and knowing that 80% of Arizona supports you know, access to abortion yep. um, and understand that it is a fundamental human right. Then we have attacks, very targeted intentional attacks on our public education system, controlling curriculums that teachers are teaching in the classroom. Yeah. These are all authoritarian tendencies. And here in Arizona in particular, um, it's at a much higher level than many other states. Yeah, I know we've led the way in many, I think it was both voter suppression bills and anti-trans bills. Wrong. Exactly, and we have the continued marginalization of LGBTQ people in this state and black and brown bodies right. from our state legislature. And it's continued and it's only gonna increase you know, if some of these people that are running for statewide office get in, and I know that out of the primaries at the state legislature, some of the fringiest of the fringe on the right um, did prevail. Yes, yeah. And even a, a governor candidate who has made repeated threats to the LGBTQ plus communities. And I, exactly, yeah. and, I, and I feel that a lot of people are underestimating the strength of Carrie Lake. Because if we zoom out and we look historically right at elections between 2016 and we look at some of the congressional wins across the United States over the last four years, yeah. there's a candidate that won in Florida that has a very similar backstory to Carrie Lake. Local journalist, a lot of name ID. Carrie Lake does have a lot of name ID given yeah. the fact that she was on the news here in Arizona for some time. There's going to be a lot of people that are disconnected from the political process that are simply going to vote for her because they saw her on TV. Yeah. And we see a similar effect of what happened in 2016, right? We saw Donald Trump and a lot of people that were disconnected from the political process with no, no intent of their own. That's the, fa the failure of our democracy, that we have people that have given up on the political process. Right. Um, so I, th the reality is that a lot of the same reasons why people voted for Donald Trump in 2016 are the same exact reasons why they're going to vote for Carrie Lake. Yeah. And unless we understand that and learn from that, we're gonna find ourselves doing the same mistake, but on a statewide level. And that's extremely dangerous because what happens is these people have a much larger success rate of having their laws and their ideology ingrained in our day-to-day -day lives. Yeah, and just terrifying like boots on the ground with such an active QAnon base mm -hmm. and multiple calls for weapons already. It just doesn't seem to be as big of a story as you think it should be, but... No, it's, it, definitely, it yeah. definitely is not, and I don't think that... Or maybe somebody is, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen anybody actually looking at all the things, right? Yeah. And, and like, zooming out and, and seeing, like, this moment interconnecting and inter, the intersections between all these other issues that we're facing as a state. Yeah. Well... We're leading into it, but uh, what scares you as an Arizona voter? What scares me the most? It's hard to just narrow down yeah. to one, but I would say water. Yeah. 
right? Because water is life, um, and without water, we will cease to exist. And water is the, the reason. <laughs> like, that's huge. Um, there's no better visual example of this than Lake Mead. And it doesn't seem to be a, um, a reality for many people, right. like, that we are facing a, a shortage of water. And if we fail to acknowledge that and start understanding that water is a finite resource and it's not going to last forever, particularly here in the Southwest, and we don't change our habits, um, we are going to be living in a completely different world here in the Southwest yeah. in, in just, what, 10, 15 years? Especially if water keeps getting sold off to other interests, right. like our limited water already. Exactly, and just the privatization of water as a whole. I believe the profit motive should not be in water. It's a natural resource. I think it should be controlled and operated by the public, right. nonpartisan. And I think that would be beneficial for everyone Good. Um, if we had independent oversight from a nonpartisan board uh, and it was publicly controlled rather than profiting off water because we know what happens when there's a scarcity, right? You know, it's something's going to increase in cost. And if we look at anything else historically um, through time, the people that are most impacted by these things are poor black and brown folks yeah. um, that are gonna be the most hurt um, as water becomes more and more scarce. Terrifying to think about. <laughs> on the other side of the coin, what excites you about what will be on the ballot uh, this upcoming election, whether it be a candidate, proposition, both? Uh, what are you excited to check on your ballot? Well, you know, just kind of the most exciting positions I'm excited for on the ballot are actually school board, yeah. um, local propositions and um, just our local candidates, because those are the candidates that are going to be making the decisions that impact our day-to-day -day lives at a much higher rate than people at the top of the ballot. Um, so I'm very excited for these new, you know, up-and-coming school board candidates, because yeah. what we're doing as well is we're, we're building our bench. Um, that's something the Republican Party has done very well, and they've done it well for decades. They've put themselves in the position that they're in now. They've put themselves in the position to have the Supreme Court that we have now. Um, it seems to be progressives as it is understand this now and we have really great candidates um, on the bottom of the ballot. Yes. So I'm excited to start at the bottom and work my way up and vote for these local candidates that have actually been in our communities, working right. in our communities, and now uh, willing to, to fight for us in a position on a school board. And have that, everyone I think always, one of the overarching complaints of voting I think is well, I just don't see the difference, which isn't true a lot mm -hmm. of the ways and the ways that people expect. But I think even those school board races, like those are those critical issues to your community, mm -hmm. to the future of your community, and they don't deserve to be, you know, just brushed off as an unimportant race. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I've talked to uh, Violetta Ramos mm -hmm. um, from Osborne, as well as a, another guest, and I'm just excited there's so many different progressive such a diverse class um, yeah as well which is and great to see every corner of maricopa county and outside of maricopa county too there's some great candidates but you know the person you uh, mm. referenced great individual i've knocked on doors for violetta yeah. um leanne greenberg also yep. running for a position on that seat amazing candidate good human being i have a friend patty who's running chandler another tried and true fighter for working class families that I know will put our students first. 
those are just a few examples, but there are so many. And it's great because these are people that are not only going to be in positions that are going to be impacting our day-to-day lives, but these are people that um, are maybe getting their start. If they so choose to run for higher office, right, we're building that bench. And I cannot be more inspired by some of these people that are running. Great. Just hardworking all around. Mm -hmm. Fighters. Aside from voting, you mentioned knocking on doors. What do you think is the best way for someone who's working class to hold politicians accountable? The best way to hold politicians accountable, ask questions and show up. Don't not ask questions. If something seems outside of the norm, ask why. Occupy uh, public spaces. I'm a very firm believer in direct action um, when public officials are not listening. And what I I feel like a lot of the, not necessarily pushback, but hesitation I get is, what do you say to someone who's scared to kind of take that first step in direct action? Well, anything we do in life is scary at first, right? Um, And anything we do for the first time is uncomfortable until we do it. Um, And it's just breaking in that barrier of fear. And knowing that these people in office, right, they work for you which means that they are accountable to you. You are the one that uh, is their boss. And it is our responsibility to hold these folks accountable, whether or not it is a Republican or a Democrat. Right. Because we know that any old blue just won't do. Yes. And as a society, we need to understand that as well, right now more than ever. And I bring it back to here in Arizona, all these different issues that we are facing, yeah. we know that politics as usual isn't going to cut it anymore. Right. The stakes are too high to... Way too high. And I know that we say that over and over and over, like we talk about like, this being uh, unprecedented times, right. but we really are um, in that period of time. And we're still in the period of time that right. was unprecedented two years ago. Right. It's that same block of time that we're in. Yeah. And um, it is continuing to um, go down that path. It's important that yeah. we hold folks accountable to every vote, right? Um, and whether or not that is just breaking from you know the caucus on a particular vote at the state legislature, um, joining Republicans on a particular bill, looking at bills that representatives pass, right? Because we know that a lot of representatives, what they'll do is they will pass performative bills. Yeah. There's no better example of this than Christian Cinema. Likes to tout about getting things done. Yeah. If you like look at the bills that she's passed, like nobody could not get on board with those, right? right? And what happens is politicians do these things to get notches under them belt so they can then brand themselves in political mail pieces to voters that are disconnected from the political process that automatically right. hear this, You're like, oh my gosh, this person gets things done. But when you look at the things that they've got done and actually read it in its full context, you yeah. realize that why wouldn't anybody get on board with this? Right. Then you look at the fact that the things that these people are getting done are not things that are materially changing their lives uh, of their constituents. Like right now, for example, here in Central Phoenix, where I'm from, like our state representatives should be leading on affordable housing policies, right? They should be leading on um, funding services to help people that are experiencing homelessness, but they're not. They're more, you know, worried about passing their own political agenda and getting these notches under their belt. That's one of the most infuriating things for me because I drive around Central Phoenix and right. I see, you know, what's happening. Anybody that is 
opens their eyes can yeah. see, you know, because we see in Phoenix, for example, that people experiencing chronic homelessness has risen 20, 73% since 2016. Wow. That is astronomical. Um, and that compounds to all those other issues that we were just talking about, right? Climate change. And if we have more unhoused people on the streets, they're going to be exposed to the weather. That means more people are going to be dying in tents in central right. Phoenix, which we're seeing to continue to grow every single summer. Yeah. Um, it seems like the headlines continue to, to say 500 unhoused people, 1,000 unhoused people. Like it's, yeah. That's happening on every single day. Yeah. Um, and they should be leading on policies like that. Those materially change lives, like big policy like that. Um, this performative crap, we yeah. need to stop with it. Right. And if they call themselves, call yourself like a bipartisan champion, right? That yeah. you get you know things done. Then why the hell aren't you getting people on board to support these bills? Why the hell aren't you getting people on board to to sign on to an affordable housing bill? Right. You're not. Right. So you are you are actually very ineffective. Yeah. And, and we need to collectively understand that you know these people are actually ineffective. Yeah. And measuring whether or not you know these are performative things that they're doing, right? Um, or they're actually materially changing lives. Yeah, and how they're voting exactly. as well. Like Kristen Sinema being a great example of, yeah. look at this flashy bill over here, but by the way, I voted with Trump more than yeah. anyone else. And, exactly. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> we <get> A whole <laughs> other podcast on yeah. that situation. Totally. But, um, that'll be part two. It's just the chronicles of distrust um uh i don't i that was my uh, last question oh, really? but yeah okay. i do keep going i, uh, I can keep asking them to, um, to talk about whatever yeah i guess what uh was your first kind of how did you first initially get into organizing well i first got into organizing if you know you go back way back you know organizing with my brothers and sisters when my mom <laughs> didn't come home because she relapsed for a week and I took care of my siblings uh, as a 12-year-old. That was actually organizing, right? Yeah. I was organizing the house to make sure the kids had food um, and lunch and got out to school, things that I shouldn't have had to do as a kid. Um, but as far as politically, um, organizing started um, after 2016 um, when I really started to, to find my voice and I was inspired by this uh, old guy from Vermont <laughs> who talks with his hands um, and talks unapologetically about like common sense, you know, yeah. issues, right? Um, a living wage, free college education, um, kitchen table issues that really resonate with working class families. Bernie Sanders was a huge inspiration to me. Yeah. And watching him in 2016 talk about these issues unapologetically and understanding that he was doing this because he was not beholden to any corporate interests. Um, that really kind of broke down that narrative that I thought only existed in this space um, that you had to, to pander to corporate interests, right? And all of these other things that I thought um, was how politics worked, as it is a large portion of it, because corporations and those that are wealthy tend to dictate what policies get passed, right. which in itself is another conversation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, seeing him talk about those things really inspired me and gave me hope. And I know that they've not only given me hope, but they've given hope to millions of people around the United States. I talk about Bernie Sanders a lot yeah. and the fact that, you know, when we look at what he was able to accomplish and, you know, over 20 million votes between 2016 and 2020 for an openly uh, unapologetic democratic socialist candidate um, is pretty astonishing. Yeah. 
And you know, he might not he might not have won on election day in the primary, but what he did is he inspired hundreds of thousands of people from around the country to get involved in the political process, and there is no going back from that. No. Um, he has risen class consciousness um, across the United States about the injustices in our political system, and he still does it, and he's been doing it consistently for decades. And that's what I admire most about Bernie. You know, one day when I'm old and gray, I hope that I can have the same kind of track history as Bernie, that I've always stood on the right, um, even when it was unpopular, um, even when it was misunderstood. Like universal basic income, for example, I unapologetically support universal basic income. And we now have data, data um, showing that universal income lifted people out of poverty during the pandemic. Um, that's you know, one thing that I believe we're ahead of the time on. Yeah. Um, and uh, I hope and I know that you know, I will be on the right side of history too. So unfortunately, Arizona has a long history of white supremacy mm -hmm. um, and is definitely feels like it simmers hotter and hotter each day mm -hmm. uh, with the active QAnon base, all these different calls for violence. Uh, how do you, th how as an individual citizen do we take on fighting that responsibility for our home state um, and for our fellow Arizona citizens? Well, white supremacy is a, is a giant. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to be eradicated from society overnight. Right. Um, the best we can do is mitigate it and create and do our best to create a society that is free of racism right. um, and, and white supremacy. And that starts with calling it out um, and looking at things from the margins and working your way in. Um, those most impacted by laws and working your way in. Right. Um, and centering any solutions that we propose as far as public policy in the needs of those um, most vulnerable and most marginalized communities and working our way um, from that. Um, that means you know directly you know, impacted communities like undocumented folks, black and brown folks um, as a whole. But it's a, it's, it's a big thing that we're going to have to combat and white supremacy is ingrained in every aspect of our society. Right. Um, and it, one thing we need to do um, is, is, is understand that collectively. And we need, need more white people to, to speak up because racism and white supremacy it's our duty as white people to eradicate that from society. Right. I can't get any more angry than you know these times that I hear questions and they're directed to black and brown people about this particular topic. And it's not something that they created, it's something that fucking white people created and it's our duty to eradicate it. Yeah. Um, and it, we have to recognize the privilege that we have in society and use that to build the framework of a better society where everybody is um, seen as equal and it's more equitable, and it is achievable. Yeah. Um, we need to stop thinking that things are not achievable. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I hate the, well, that's just how Arizona is. I'm like, that's not how, I mean. No. It's, there, was, there were decisions made. It didn't just happen. Yeah, no, it, it didn't just happen. This has happened for a really long time, right? <sighs> the country was founded on white supremacy. Yeah. You know, so there's like, no <laughs> divorcing it from any of the history, but any know, of our current state, like it's. And what we can do too is we can make sure that we elect people to office who understand that um, and understand 
you know, communities and bring communities to the table when making policy, right? And understanding that they are not the end-all solution to fixing the issues of Arizona. We all have to collectively come to, to come together in order to, to actually enact laws that uplift everybody. And that means bringing all the stakeholders together. And unfortunately, we don't see that nearly as much as we possibly should here in the state of Arizona. But that can change. That changes by having people in office that do see through that lens of building community. And aren't afraid to say they're against it. Yeah. <laughs> or say the word. Um... Yeah, you'd be surprised how many people are afraid to say the word bright supremacy. Um, Any last messages to voters? Um, last messages, uh, last message. Um, just make sure that you stay engaged uh, post-election because voting is one passive way um, to enact change in your local community. Um, after the election, make sure that we hold our elected officials accountable to their votes. Uh, make sure that we hold our elected officials accountable to the issues that matter most important in our communities. And if we're not seeing elected officials champion the issues that we know matter, we need to ask questions. We need to demand uh, answers. Um, you know, we need to make sure that um, we are engaged um, and understand that the only way that we're going to create a society that you know is equitable and fair for all is is by actually having a government that works for us. Um, so we need to hold Republicans and Democrats accountable um, and do whatever that you're great at. You know, post-election um, in the organizing space. You know, if you want to organize. You know, letter campaigns to your state representative to get them to vote a particular way on a bill. You know, do that. You know, if you're a web designer, build a website, you know, with resources, right? You know, for other people that want to be engaged. Yeah. You know, if you don't have a lot of capacity and you just, you know, you like social media, you know, do a podcast like we're doing right now, right? Talking about issues. Um, we need to make sure that people are politically engaged and understand that politics is life. Nothing is more infuriating as people is people that say they don't do politics yeah because as you might not do politics but politics does you right politics determines every aspect of your life um, from the roads that you drive on to the, the schools that your kids are in um, to the cost of groceries and the taxes that you pay um, each and every single day um, is all determined by politics and we have the power collectively as a society to change these things and create the world that we all envision if we're willing to fight for it. And understanding, I think, one thing as well is, you know, the world that we're fighting for is not going to happen overnight. Um, I mentioned it earlier in this podcast, like Bernie Sanders, for example, right? Um, he's been fighting for these issues since his beginning of yeah. his political career um, in the 1970s. Um, and if you look, he's been fighting for the same exact things. And we're finally starting to see those things. Yeah. Um, He's only one voice that was in Congress for a really long time, but now we have hundreds of thousands of people that were inspired by his campaign yeah. and these ideas and these things are not going to go back into Pandora's box. Right. Um, so making sure that we stay engaged and talking about these issues, I feel confident that you know we will have the world and we deserve that we deserve yeah. if we're willing to fight for it, right. and I believe that we will. It's achievable. It is achievable. Thank you so much to Brianna for speaking with me. I look forward to supporting any of her future campaigns. Thank you for a chance to share all of these wonderful people with you, Arizona. Don't forget to stay accountable. 
Thank you to local artist Junk Dior for our intro and outro music, All of Your Days.